Well, I'm really excited because I have Susie Lamb on the show with us today. She's a teacher and evangelist, and she's been my sister for over 10 years. Welcome, Susie <laughs> Lamb! I'm so excited and honored to be here with you. I was like, I knew I could call on you. Anytime. And you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about is you are the person that I can talk to. You're like my iron that sharpens iron. You know, we've been sisters for 10 years, yeah. but our relationship really has yeah. kind of evolved. I think we've both grown up spiritually. And yeah. now you're the person, one of the people that I can really go to yeah. and talk about this kind of stuff with. So what people don't know is that we have these kind of conversations all the time. All the time. But now we finally have like a platform that we could actually do sure. this on. <laughs> You know, actually, Becca, people have told me so many times, you and Becca, y'all seem to have such good chemistry. Y'all should do something together. And I was like, you really? know what? Someday, I hope. And I'm just so, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I'm so excited. And I actually called you like last week and I was like, this is what's on my heart. And you're like, yeah, I love it. And then we just started talking back yeah. and forth, back and forth. And then when I was talking to my producer about what we wanted to do, I was like, you know what? I think I want to do this with Susie, this conversation, because we've already <laughs> talked about this. But I want to say, I have my talking points here. Before I get into this, you know, I was praying and we're going to be talking about really what we want to see in the modern church today. Yeah. But I just want to say, starting off, like this isn't coming from a hateful or critical place. That's not our heart. Our heart is to see people draw closer to God. And when I was praying and I was asking God about this, I said, God, I don't want to do this if this isn't you. Right. Like, I don't want to do anything on this podcast if it's not God. Yeah. And one of the things God showed me is that He's calling His church mm -hmm in America, the modern church back to him. Mm. You know, he wants us to be close to him, closer to him. So it's never when God beckons us, when he calls us, it's never from a critical place or a shameful place. God never uses shame, period. It's always from a place of love, but he wants us to draw even closer to him. And so all of this is just stuff that we're seeing that we want change because we know that there's something more. Yes. Like I'm not satisfied. We can just start right here. Right. I'm not satisfied with what I'm seeing today. I know there's more out there. You're right. And you know, it's interesting. I don't know what your experience was like, but I grew up in a spirit-filled church, but I really didn't really ever see the gifts of the spirit operate mm -hmm. in the church. And I knew my parents had seen that and they would operate in that. Mm -hmm. And they had, my dad hosted a revival. This was before either I was really little or it was before I was born. But like, I never saw them in, in church growing up. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting to Bible school and taking a class about like Pentecostal uh, revivals and like the movement of the spirit. And yeah. I think almost all the students were like, we've never seen like a word of knowledge or this or this or that. And we were all spirit filled. Wow. Did you kind of see that stuff growing up? You know, I kind of did like in our church, uh, I would see sometimes that like, I don't know if this is too much, but sometimes a person would manifest and I would see the body of Christ like come together and like rebuke that. <laughs> and I mean, I was five or six years old wow. and I realized the power. And I remember, this is actually a kind of personal story. I didn't think I'd ever talk about it, but my sister, when she was a teenager in college, her best friend passed away and the elders of the church, she said, dad, I want the elders to come and we prayed over that body for hours. And you know, me being so young, it was normal. And I feel like in other countries. Wait, are you serious? Seriously. And she she died. That was God's plan. Okay. And we had peace with it. But that was not a waste. To me, that was practicing faith. So you saw that kind of stuff growing up. And I will say, I know one story about here, someone rising from the dead. And it was actually dad. He was preaching because he used to be a traveling evangelist. And okay. he was preaching. And there was a guy that died in the service. 
his daughter was there. She was a nurse and she pronounced him dead because you know how they can check the yeah. pulse. There's no pulse there. And my dad went over and prayed for him and he came back. <gasps> what? I think he died like of a heart attack or something. I know. Is that not crazy? I don't know the story. This is amazing. Yeah. But just going back to it, you know, I didn't really see that stuff growing up. And it's almost like you did see it growing up because I think almost in India, it's like the spiritual warfare was more real. It's yeah. it's just it's happening just as much here, but right. it's more hidden. But in India, there's like the opposition is clear. Right. Because you have the majority of the country. There's a lot of Hindus, a lot yep. of Hinduism, and then there's also a lot of Muslims. Yeah. So can you talk about what it was like growing up, kind of the minority instead of the majority? Sure. You know, so being only less than 3% of... Oh, wow, that small? Yeah. <gasps> and in a, in a country of, what, over a billion people? Yeah. Um, when you are that small, the church has to stay tight. Mm -hmm. And that's something I actually really appreciated. Aww, stand together. It's really true. Most of my friends that I grew up with in church, obviously, were like-minded. But in school, everyone was either, you know like non-practicing Hindu, Muslim, and they were very chill about things. You're in a more secular part I of was. India because you were in what was Bombay, now called Mumbai. Mumbai. So you were kind of in like the, well, Bollywood. Right, in the heart of Bollywood, literally. Exactly, it's like the Hollywood of India. Right. So, you know, um, what I did see... So a lot of wealth. Yep. And what I did see though, yeah, like with my friends and stuff, you know, you could see literally their God was not even the Hindu idols. Their God was their wealth. Mm. Uh, it was quite amazing to see. And then on the other side, being in India, you also see the extreme uh, opposite with poverty on the streets. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, seeing that in the church, it made me really strong in my beliefs when I stepped out because I knew this was our core, this was our family. So when I stepped out and I would see lost people, there was always something inside that was like, we're set apart. Mm -hmm. And in, in living that way, my mom and dad were very strong about many things, including say yoga. I know it's very common in America. In India, if you're a Christian, you know, stay away from yoga. If, it, if it's things like festivals and stuff, my parents always kept me apart. And as a child, you know, when I didn't fully understand, I wanted to go celebrate and do all the things. Yeah, like you want to friends. do what everyone else is yeah. doing. And, but now as a grown up, I'm like, thank God you protected me and you shut that door. And that's the thing about a country where you're less than 3%. Your rules are strong. You know these are the boundaries and boundaries are there for security. We're secure in the boundaries of God. We don't step outside into demonic stuff. But in America, there's such loose information. There's no strong boundaries. There's no security. So people, everything is kind of like permissible. So what was it like coming from this place where you're the minority and then coming to a place where Christianity was commonplace, but it was a little distorted, watered down? What was that like? Honestly, you know what, Beck? Half of it scared me a little bit because it, frustrated me when mm -hmm. I first got here um, as a teenager. I was just like confused. But I have to be honest, like as the years went, I, it just, you, you kind of blend in a little bit. Like in India, my mom and dad were like, Halloween, never, ever, you know, and I knew it with my children, never. And then as the years pass, and they're like, well, they want to get candy. Let them get candy and wear yeah. a cute little outfit. And I have to say this year after you did your Halloween podcast, Aww. you know, um, your children are trained to be sponges. That's how God has made them. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do not keep these things away from my children. I made Israel because he's very strong in his beliefs. Yeah, he And is. he fully absorbed what you were saying. And he saw the authority you spoke in, Beck. And it, 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 it infused me with this power and passion and Jonathan. And we stood up and we said, no, not ever. We will never. Really? Yes. And you were such a huge part of that in, in like giving me that strength and, and as to why I'm saying no. Because you know, your kids, they have the soft part of your heart. And he was like, please, mom, it's just a little bit of candy. All my friends are out there. The old me would have been like, oh, 
fine. Nope, not anymore. Because you expose the demonic stuff. See, because of knowledge, my, no knowledge, people perish. But when you know, and that's why we're here, that, I'm so proud of you because you're giving the knowledge as to why we stay away from certain things. Why? You know, not just, not to be legalistic, but there's a reason. Like, first of all, thank you so Aww. much for saying that. That was really encouraging. But you know where that even came from? It's like, I grew up celebrating Halloween and my mom did it in a very like innocent way. Yeah. She would like, <laughs> she would like, staple or tape she would tape uh tracks like little evangelism tracks onto candy and I never dressed up as anything evil yeah but as I got older it wasn't until I had Asher Mm. that it just changes everything and you realize you have this like fresh clean slate Mm -hmm. that you've been entrusted to and you make the imprint on your child and you are supposed to raise your children in the ways of the Lord and teach them. And the Bible talks about how you're the priest of your home, the prophet, the king, you know, the father rules, you know, and the woman serves alongside him as his teammate. Yes. And you just feel this sense of responsibility. And, you know, I think ever since 2020, there's just been kind of like an awakening. And I think God really kind of woke a lot of people up, that there is a real battle going on and we have to be serious. And when I began to learn the things that I learned, it's actually really a lot of this podcast, The Desire was birthed from this, wanting to warn people and educate people and inform people because what I'm realizing about believers you know, especially believers in America, is that they're good-hearted people with yeah. good intentions. Yeah. And one of the things God told me is, you know, as He was showing me things and preparing me and teaching me, I would get really passionate because I was like, I don't want people to be doing these things. And He, I remember Him telling me, like, be gentle with them. Mm. And I realized, oh, God loves, not only does God love these people, but a lot of these people just don't know, just like I didn't know. Right. And I, what I, I was telling someone today, I was like, you know what amazes me? It's like, if you want to know something, like God's Word makes things very clear. Yes. It's just, we don't really know God's word that well. And that's one of the things, you know, going back to you, because we were talking about the modern church, I think I took us off on a tangent, but I mean, every, I mean, it's all been so good. Yeah. But one of the things that I've seen in the modern church is I feel like believers, they don't even, not only do they not read their Bibles, but they don't even know how to. Right. And I remember going to Bible school and as a student's, learning things that we probably should have learned growing up in church. Wow. And we were like, man, why are we just learning this stuff now? Wow. You know? And so I feel like if you don't know God's word mm-hmm. or if you, I think there's a huge attack on discrediting God's word. And we see that that's popular right now. If the enemy can do that, then you can easily be led into deception and then basically pick up these false doctrines that sound good. It might feel good, but they're not God. That's right. And that's when you have people like I just saw on Instagram the other day, this account, and she literally was like living my life, loving God. Uh, And basically the caption was supporting love no matter which gender. And it threw me because, and then she did this huge passage, which I didn't bother to read, Mm -hmm. but you can justify scripture to anything if you twist it. But clearly when it says no means no, that's that root of rebellion. Cause I I won't take your no, I'll twist it to see how it fits me in this culture. And yeah, and that's the danger of like taking the Bible. Yes. So like one of the things, uh, Pastor Landon at Mercy Culture where I go to church, he was talking about how they've made a Bible that omits those passages <gasps> of scripture that talk about homosexuality because they're like, this isn't inclusive. And I, I'm like, who are we to think as like as people that we know what should or should not be in right. God's word? And when you think about it on a deeper level, because we were talking about the end times with Jimmy Evans, mm-hmm. one of the names for Jesus is the word of God. Yes. Like he is the word of God. So if you reject it, you reject him. Jesus. Like he embodies all love, grace, and truth. Yes. 
But you know, that's a huge issue that I see today yeah. is that they're just distorting. It's like God's love is so great and you can never take away from it, but you can't twist it into something it's not. Right. And God cares about people. So he is going to tell them the truth yes. because Jesus was very clear. There's a heaven, there is a hell. Yes. And I mean, he tells all these different parables. He tells the parables about the wheat and the tares. Like he talks about the end times. He lays it out all very clearly in scripture because it says in the Bible, God desires none to perish. Yes. But if you're ignorant, Bible says my people are destroyed in Hosea for a lack of knowledge. Yes. And so that's a huge attack that I see going on. And something that I want to help do through this podcast is equip believers to be able to read the word and study it for themselves yes. and to be comfortable in the relationship with the Holy Spirit so that he can teach them and lead them into truth. Because you have to develop that personal relationship for yourself. There's a huge shift when you go from kind of being raised in the faith to taking on your own faith with your own relationship with God. What was that like with you? You know, I love that you talk about understanding how to read the Bible because um, I remember when I was young, you know, it was almost like a tour. I didn't really get it. So it was right? me. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, oh, my mom's like, did you read your Bible yet? And I was like, oh. Um, Prayer was also very hard for me. Me too. I was just like, oh, you know, um, I don't want to sit here and be disciplined. Did you ever feel like those people who prayed for like three hours? You're like, oh my gosh, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my mom, she said, she taught me this where she was like, okay, read a scripture and then ask the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. What does that mean? Or just say, dad, what does that mean? You know, with the father, because he'll give you a revelation. And then even if you understand what it means, you can always say, give me more revelation. And yeah. so, you know, tell me, teach me new things from it. Because she always said, you will read the same scripture 10 years from now and get something totally new and different. That's true. And so when I started thinking of that as a mystery way, and I was like, ooh, it became like a game. You know, you can play with kids. And I was like, what's dad going to tell me? What are yeah. you going to tell me, Holy Spirit? And so I started doing that as a kid. And till this day, I always do that. And I always get so much. Like it's, it's literally fresh manna. And nothing can substitute sitting alone with God and getting a download. Um, and you're just like, oh, thank you for equipping me with this new revelation I can use today and put forward. And what I love is you talked about the manna. And what I just learned about the manna okay. is like, I knew it was only good for one day. Right. I remember thinking like, that's strange. Like, why couldn't <laughs> they just store it up? Right. And then I realized because it represented... We need fresh word from God wow. each day. Yeah. And that we can't live off the leftovers. Like God is so intentional in the Bible. He uses everything yeah. to teach us something about Him. Yeah. And okay, so talking about the modern church, we've talked about this, the worship of celebrity. <gasps> you know, being obsessed as Americans with saved famous celebrities, certain pastors, even worship leaders. What do you have to say about that? Barf. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, that's something that actually truly does infuriate me. Why? Be because, okay, so we are all flesh, God breathed into. We are brothers and sisters. In fact, you know, when we meet people and, and they're like, and they say, and I love it. They say it with such pure hearts and they're like, oh, it's so good to meet you. You're so down to earth and you're so humble. I'm usually always like, boy, thank you. But I'm like, what other way is there? Like, what do we have to be proud about? If we are proud, That's true. we're like Satan. That's no. the father of pride. If we are of God, we are humble. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do anything that I do. So when I see the whole cultural, uh, and you have some amazing things you've said to me, but when I see the whole like culture of celebrity, you know, I feel like through 2020, God has like really switched. He so shut much, right? that down. Bam. Thank goodness. I, you know, I actually have an amazing example God gave me. Oh, oh you're going to love this. So Jeremiah, the prophet, 
Yeah. Um, you know, everyone thinks that when you're anointed and you're successful in God, first of all, Mother Teresa said, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. And like, so let's take Jeremiah, someone so obedient to the word of God. And he heard everything that God said. Jeremiah, so he started super young, constant, constant rejection, people not believing him, prophecies come to pass. Yes. And then I was reading in Jeremiah 45, now he's in his mid 60s, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's still a nonstop pattern of people doubting him, calling him a liar. And prophecies have come to pass in the past. They've come mm -hmm. and they, but, but people still, it's like they're blinded. And then I was reading about his assistant, Baruch. Baruch was actually of higher birth uh, than Jeremiah. He came from, you know, a wealthier family. So he thought, you know, he would live this life. He became Jeremiah's assistant young and he, his job was to write down all of Jeremiah's prophecies. Now, after years from young to now they're in their mid sixties and in chapter 45, Baruch is just whining and complaining. And he's like, why is it? It's like he's wasted his life. And literally God tells him, do not seek self ambition. Do not, are you doing this for your self-promotion? Because this is what I have called to, you to do. Mm. And then from two examples on Jeremiah's side, you know, he didn't get weary. He still spoke what was unpopular, what was, was fought against, but he did it unto God. Baruch on the other side, he wanted his life to matter, but God said, do not seek self-greatness. Seek to be humble before me. And then you think about it, 2,500 years later, Billions of people have read what he wrote down faithfully. Even if he complained, he did his job right. Oh, and wow. people read it now. And Jeremiah, even though he was rejected, think about the generations that have honored him. You know, in our culture in America, I think what happened with celebrity worship is in the church is that we worship celebrities in America. Yes. That's a very big part American of our culture. Idol. And it's, yeah, American, literally American Idol. And it's yeah. a big part. It's becoming culture all around the world. Yeah. Um, but that has permeated into the churches. Yeah. And you know, we have similar setups, we have stages, we have lights and in human weakness, we look at someone on the stage and I think we can almost, because we can physically see them yes. and we cannot see in the spirit yes. at all times, we connect to that person and we begin to idolize that person and we put that person on a platform. Yes. And then we start going to events because of this person. And then we get influence, this person gets an influence and followers because you know, they're popular and we get into celebrity. Yes. And I think what we need to get back to is we need to be going to events for the Lord. Yeah. We don't need to be using always, it doesn't mean God can't use popular people. It doesn't mean God can't use celebrities, but we don't need to be chasing the brightest and the best. Mm -mm. We need to be asking God who is anointed yes. and glorifies you and is humble Yes. and put that person up to anoint them and then be mature believers in Christ and know God is working through that person. Yes. It's not about the person. God showed me pretty young. He allowed me to see different people's humanity to show me they're not perfect and don't expect that of anyone. Yeah. But understand that when I when when you are touched by someone's ministry, that is my love for you flowing through them and touching you personally. Wow. So now when I get a word, now when someone prays for me or I hear a really great message, I always connect it immediately to God. Yes. And it touches me because I'm like, God, I know you love me. I know I care you care about me. Yeah. And then I'm able to treat the person the way they're supposed to be treated because they're not supposed to be idolized. And there's a lot of those people, they don't even want to be put on no. platforms. And they're, they, they're not even asking for that. And there's really also incredible and gifted worship leaders and pastors that are just being obedient and living out their life. And they've been given this influence and you know, they're living their lives in a humble way. Yes. And they're saying, don't, you know, do this right. to me. And so that's something I want to see changed is, and I think COVID, what I love about COVID-19 is I think it really shut things down. Yeah. And I think it really made the church 
reevaluate. Why do we meet? Yeah. What do we believe? Yeah. What is important? Yeah. What is our mission and our purpose? And I think it also was, what are we willing to stand up for? Mm. Because we have never truly faced, no. there is the spirit of antichrist is at work in the world and America is becoming more and more in line with that, right. a more antichrist agenda. But you know, we come from a history of there being great moves of God, the first great awakening, the second great awakening, the Azusa Street revival, the yeah. Jesus movement, yeah. you know, the charismatic renewal. So God has been moving greatly in our country for years. So there's all this history, all these seeds that have been sown as well. Right. Um, but getting back to it is at the same time, I think we're really starting to face persecution. And I think for the first time in our lives, we're having to ask yourself, what is the cost for following Christ? What are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to be put in jail? We've never had to face anything like that before, but who knows what the future holds. Right. And so I think it's been good for us because it's reminding us of what's important. Yeah. And this goes back to what you're talking about success. And that's one of the questions on here is what is success? And I think for a long time for people, it was numbers and it was how cool your conference was yes. and how many people were going mm -hmm. and how many people bought y'all's church's worship album or how many people follow you on Instagram. Yeah, and you know, I'm not saying that numbers and stuff are bad. Right. I'm just saying that I think there's something deeper. Right. And it's a people not just getting saved or coming to church, but a people who are transformed, mm. who are able to endure till the end and stand before God and He can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. That's what matters. Yes. You know, and so I want us to just focus on that. Yes. You know, and be willing to do what's not popular. And I think the church really beginning to, because in America, like I said, we're comfortable with Christianity, but we're living in a day where I'm seeing more and more ministers censored the gospel. Yes. And I have some, someone that came through Daystar, they use that word censored because a lot of times people use the word watered down, mm. but I like the word censored because it's like they're withholding some truth. Yeah. But the gospel, like our favorite teacher, Derek Prince said, he said it's simple and it's everyone should be able to understand it. Yes. And you have to be able to tell all of it. Yeah. Because you're not doing anyone favors by censoring it. But it's like, because it's, um, I don't know why it happens, but I think one of the reasons is because they're afraid of losing influence mm. and losing followers. But if you don't tell people the whole truth, how can they be set up for success? Right. It's so true. And you know, many times with win this world of celebrity Christian, it came to a point of how cool is your message? How catchy is it? How many how times- How funny are you? How funny are you? Like it's all about charisma and personality versus our, our favorite teachers, like Derek Prince said, I heard him recently say, if somebody comes to him and says, wow, that was a deep message. He says, oh no. He sometimes says, Lord, I wanted to be simple for a child to understand. Mm -hmm. and, and I love that. It's not about how deep you can go. And then also, um, Smith Wigglesworth. Oh, love him. Love him, right? What a dynamic man of God. But he said, I'd rather one person fully get sal understand the salvation message and be saved rather than 10,000 be healed. I was wow. shook. I was like, what? Because that was his gift, healing. Yeah, he was a healing minister. But he knew God's heart. And again, if you go back to Jeremiah 40, 45, through those chapters, you know, I was crying just yesterday because it's so many times God was like, Go to them one more time in case they change their mind. I know. God tries so hard. Oh, 
in case. He loves us so much. So much. And that's why I'm like, we need to respond to this. We need yeah. to receive that love. And then we need to respond to it properly. Like God deserves better. Yes. You know what I mean? Right? He deserves the best from he us. Deserves he deserves better. all of us. Yes. And I think, you know, one of the biggest issues is, I remember Marcus Burkeen, he's a pastor at yeah. Gateway. He did the whole sermon about how the beasts of the East, what the church faces in the East is persecution. Mm-hmm. And that is their main issue. But he said the beast of the West is seduction. And I'm like, oh, it's so true. And there's a million things fighting for our attention. Mm -hmm. There's a million things distracting us and fighting for our time. And so I feel like as a believer, as a Christian, and why I can speak to this stuff is because I used to be, do this kind of stuff too. Like I used to love certain things and stuff, but when I know better, I want to do better. And so, like I said, there's a million things fighting for our affection. There's a million things fighting for our time. And there's a million things that we can turn to and seek out comfort instead of the Lord. And what I realized as a believer is that for me, it's, I'm not being persecuted really as much. I'm being tempted and distracted, tempted not only with things, but with apathy, distraction, laziness, the desires of the flesh. And I feel like here being a believer is more about discipline. Yes. And keeping your heart pure and not filling it up with idols. Because there's so many things to chase here. That's right. You know, happiness, wealth, success, influence. And the whole world is going after those things in our culture. And yet God is calling us to seek Him and seek Him alone. Humility, patience, perseverance, enduring through suffering. Wow. You know, like, I mean, America, they're just chasing pleasure. We, right. We're literally like a hedonistic culture. Yeah. And so the temptation is not to conform to that. That's right but to be disciplined. And it's hard. And you know, you and I both talk about this and I thank God for His grace and His mercy because He gets me on track so many times and I'm thankful for repentance. Like it's not a dirty word, it's a good word. You can do it quick. There's no shame attached to it. There's no guilt. And then you get right back on the right path. That's right. And I just love that about God. I love that about God because all of us know how much we need grace. And it's not about ever being perfect. We'll never be perfect till mm-hmm. the day Jesus comes, but it's about that excellent, excellent lifestyle that you can offer God. And allowing God to change us. Yes. That's what His grace is, is yeah. allowing Him to do what we cannot do in our own flesh. Yeah. But you don't stay the same. No. And we don't ever stop growing until no. we meet Him face to face. That's right. Well, this was such a good conversation. So good. <laughs> they kept counting us down on time and I was like, I don't want to stop. <laughs> This is the quickest 30 minutes of my life. I don't even know how long this was. I Because our phone conversations are like this. And we can keep going. It's like, true. let's be honest. But you know, Beck, I wanted to say, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so thankful for your podcast. Because, I mean, the Bible says, in, in Scripture, it says, um, it is a sin to know what to do and not do it. Mm. And so many times people don't know. And you sit here in your boldness and the anointing of God in you and on upon you. And I know that as your podcast goes through some dark places, it'll illuminate with information and knowledge. And then as people listen, then they know, okay, this has to change because it is a sin to know it and not do it. So thank you for being bold with your sword of the spirit, the two-edged sword and going into the dark places and spreading the truth of God. So proud of you. Thank you so much. And that was such a good word and I receive it. And thank you for sharing your heart with us, your life, your experiences, the wisdom that God has taught you over all these years. And I'm so proud of you. (laughs) And I love you so much. I love you so much. Hey, thank you so much for watching today. You can follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Lamwise 